Amanda. And I'm Kristen. And, and we, we are, are the Extra Sisters. Sisters. So sit back, relax, and let's get creepy. Welcome to another Haunted Happy Hour. And in this Haunted Happy Hour, we are going to talk about cryptids. And if you don't know what cryptids are, there's this field called cryptidzoology. And it's kind of like, if think about like the abominable snowman, the Yeti, which I think are the same thing, and Bigfoot, stuff like that, which... Kristen actually has like a really, really famous one that I know Mm -hmm. everyone's heard of. And they're like legendary creatures, basically, that, you know, do they exist? Do they not exist? It depends on who you ask. So we're going to talk about some famous cryptids from all over the world. And I'm going to not so famous ones, too. And yeah, and some not so famous ones. I guess it just depends on which region you're in. Yeah. So I'm going to actually start over in Russia. And this is the Brosno dragon. And the Brosno dragon, or Bosnia, is a name applied to a Russian lake monster. So many people treat the existence of it skeptically and still say that the creature may be a mutant beaver or a giant <laughs> pike of 100 or 150 years. And, like, even if it's not a dragon, uh, like a mutated beaver, that's still kind of scary, though, right? Well, what's really actually now that you say that is really interesting to me is I was reading that on a lot of things that people were seeing this like huge beaver type creature out, coming out of water and stuff. So I don't know. I think it lends more credence when multiple countries have this or multiple nationalities have this same type of creature. Yeah. Like, and beavers are actually kind of aggressive too. So yeah. it's still kind of spooky though, right? <laughs> like, right. There's conjecture that groups of wild boars and elks cross the lake from time to time. There are some more scientific hypotheses concerning Brosnia. One of them is a gas version saying that when hydrogen sulfide goes up from the lake bottom, it makes water boil up. This boiling in its turn resembles a dragon head, but the amount of hydrogen sulfide must be considerable to produce this effect. Other versions say that there is a volcano in the lake that makes ejections on the water surface from time to time. It is well known that there are several fractures at the bottom of the lake. The depth and the direction of the fractures cannot be defined. It is not ruled out that the volcano crater is inside one of the fractures. This explains why the volcano, if it actually exists, has not been discovered yet. Which is weird to me because if there is, we have technology that can like get down that far, even if it's through like seismic waves, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because we go down... Even though we haven't been down that deep in the ocean, we can get pretty deep down there to see where, like, fault lines and stuff are. Mm -hmm. So it's weird, like, in a lake that we haven't figured out if there's, like, a fucking volcano down there. It's pretty (laughs) sketchy. Fishermen say that the underwater world of Lake Brosno has a structure of several levels. From time to time, burboats and yellow perch can be found in the lake. For example, herring can be found in a lake in Pano District in Tver region. Some consider it strange that sea fish may live in the lake at all. Smelt shoals can be found in Lake Brosno as well. The phenomenon of the Brosnia can be explained from the physical point of view. Huge smelt shoals are reflected on the water surface through refraction of light and produce the effect in a huge reptile head. Physicists say that any mirage appears in hot weather. Indeed, witnesses say that they came across Brosnia in the summer. However, the origin of the rumor of this strange monster remain a mystery. A globster washed up ashore on Brosno, and it appeared to be the carcass of a Brosno dragon. So if you look at the gallery of, like, 
drawings and paintings of this thing and even like the photo of like possibly a head like it does look like a giant like reptile head and it was the only one where other than like a Japanese one where it actually looked like a big giant reptile dragon there's like a picture of it like eating like boats and stuff so this has to be like a pretty big lake Mm -hmm. you know so and everything in Russia is just really scary so (laughs) I guess that's partially because you know American propaganda but right know. exactly <laughs> we're just like Russia oh god and I know have a Russia dragon. communism oh god which communism you know if it's done correctly whatever <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go to Australia and we're which, gonna talk talk about scary shit they're dude just, they have real scary stuff <laughs> I know like they're just like normal spiders and shit like even me with like a love of spiders <laughs> They're huntsman spiders. Oh, my fucking God. Those things are scary. Everything over there is just trying to kill you. And it has been scientifically proven. So Right. Exactly. And who knows? I mean, there are so many things that still we don't even know exist yet. So who knows? All right. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about the bunyip. The bunyip is a creature from Australian Aboriginal mythology said to lurk in swamps, billabongs, creeks, riverbeds, and waterholes. The bunyip was part of traditional Aboriginal beliefs and stories throughout Australia. While its name varied according to tribal nomenclature, the word bunyip is usually translated by Aboriginal Australians today as devil or evil spirit. Descriptions of bunyips vary widely. George French Angus may have collected a description of a bunyip in his account of a water spirit from the Murundi people of the Murray River before 1847, stating it is much dreaded by them. It inhabits the Murray, but they have some difficulty describing it. Its most usual form is said to be that of an enormous starfish. The Calicum bunyip, an outline image from of a bunyip carved by Aboriginal people into the bank of Fiery Creek near Arat, Victoria, was first recorded by the Australasian newspaper in 1851. According to the report, the bunyip had been speared after killing an Aboriginal man. Antiquarian Rynell Johns claimed that until the mid-1850s, Aboriginal people made a habit of vi- visiting a pla- the place annually and retracing the outlines of the figure of the bunyip, which is about 11 paces long and 4 paces in extreme breadth. The outline image no longer exists. Robert Brow Smith's Aborigines of Victoria, 1874, devoted 10 pages to the bunyip, but concluded... In truth, little is known among the blacks respecting its form, covering, or habits. They appear to have been in such dread of it as to have been unable to take note of its characteristics. And I do want to comment right there. A lot of the information that I have is from, like, the 1800s, and people were obviously racist. I mean, they still are. So there's going to be a lot of stuff in here. I'm sorry. The bunyips presumably seen by witnesses, according to their descriptions, most commonly fit one of two categories. 60% of sightings resemble seals or swimming dogs, and 20% of sightings are of long-necked creatures with small heads. The remaining descriptions are ambiguous beyond categorization. The seal dog variety is most often described as being between 4 and 6 feet long with a shaggy black or brown coat. According to reports, these bunyips have round heads resembling a bulldog, prominent ears, no tail, and whiskers like a seal or otter. 
The long-necked variety is allegedly between 5 and 15 feet long and is said to have black or brown fur, large ears, small tusks, a head like a horse or emu, and elongated maned neck about 3 feet long and with many folds of skin and a horse-like tail. The bunyip has been described by natives as amphibious, nocturnal, and inhabiting lakes, rivers, and swamps. Bunyips, according to Aboriginal mythology, can swim swiftly with fins or flippers, have a loud roaring call, and feed on crayfish, though some legends portray them as bloodthirsty predators of humans, particularly women and children. Bunyip eggs are allegedly laid in platypus nests. Platypus nests is what it just sounded like you said. Platypusness. <laughs> Platypusness. Say that five times fast, right? Platypusness. Platypusses. <laughs> Platypusses. <clears throat> yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. Especially when you think of the platypus, like that's such a weird fucking creature. Who knows? Maybe the bunyip does exist. It's. I know that it's not supposed to be a bunny, but it sounds like a bunny yip, you know? <laughs> yeah. Cute. I know it's not. But. It does not look cute. Like, if you look up <laughs> the <laughs> pictures, first of all, nobody can really say what it actually looks like. There are so many different variations. And then there's, like, one where it looks like a fucking lion, huge lion coming out of head, coming out of the fucking water. It's creepy looking. Ew. This is like the shit that I think about when I think about like the dinosaurs being around, but not dinosaurs. I will say somebody made like a sculpture of it and that motherfucker looks like a doofy little, (laughs) (laughs) the bunny up of Berkeley's Creek in Melbourne. Yeah. There's also one where it looks like fucking stranger things. Like it just looks so alien. I don't know. It's very weird. Like they were saying between a starfish and an otter. It's like, those are very different things. What does it actually (laughs) look like? (laughs) It depends on who you ask, I guess. Right. So this one is kind of weird because, like, there's some information that says that, like, oh, no, like, we actually know that this happened. But then there's also things where it's, like, mm. so these are alien big cats or ABCs of the United Kingdom. Okay. Alien big cats or ABCs and sometimes phantom cats are not cats from outer space. Instead, they are large cats that look something like black panthers, leopards, African lions, or cougars, but they are seen roaming around Britain. They are alien in the sense that they are not to be native to the area. Most sightings are confined to the wildest places, especially swamps. A number of more famous cases have received unique local names such as Beast of Bodmin Moor or the Fiskerton Phantoms. Several dead bodies of the smaller types of ABC have turned out to be hybrids between Scottish wildcat and domestic house cats. So, like, they have explained some of these things. The larger varieties that look like a specific species, such as leopards, are generally presumed to be escaped exotic pets. It reminds me of that movie from, like, the 40s, I think. What was it? Cat People? You know? Oh, yeah. Where she turns into a cat? Yeah, that's what Mm -hmm. it is. I'm pretty sure. These are often kept illegally by their owners, so the authorities never know how many of these might be around. It's also like the all the snake species in like the Florida Everglades, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. However, the hardest skeptics, including the British government, tend to reject even the exotic pet hypothesis in favor of hoaxes and killings done by Scottish wildcats. A number of leopard skulls found on the moors have turned out to be from leopard skin rugs, uh, adding to the controversy. Some cryptozoologists believe that Britain has secretly supported a population of leopards, European lynxes, or some other species of wild feline for thousands of years with a total population of about 30. 
This assertion is supported by folklore. There is no time when people did not cite ABCs in the wild of Britain. ABC sightings stretch back into the mists of prehistory. Hmm. Before science replaced older explanations, these cats were usually thought to be demons in the form of cats, fairy cats, or shape-shifting witches. There has also been a recent substination when in August 2000, a boy in South Wales was attacked by a creature resembling a panther. Some researchers in the field of cryptozoology use the label alien big cat to refer to any large feline glimpsed in an environment where it is not supposed to be a native animal. Thus, tigers seen in Africa or American lions or Appalachian black panthers would also count as ABCs. Sometimes smaller cats are included in this label as well, as is the case sometimes with sightings of Scottish wildcat in England. Britain is not the only place where they are found. There are reports of cougars or pumas near Australian city of Perth, or more recently, a series of camera traps captured images of at least four jaguars in the state of Oklahoma, although whether these are native or migrants from Arizona is unknown. There are also creatures out of place that aren't listed as cryptids, such as bull shark in Illinois, piranhas in USA, or even chimpanzees going into a killing spree in Florida. Interesting. Right? Hmm. Because, like, that one's a little bit more scientific. Yeah. Like, there are actually, like, random big cats just walking around in Britain. But they're everywhere. Hybrids. Yeah. Fucking jaguars in Oklahoma. Yeah. Right? That's creepy. I don't like that. When I was growing up, there was a neighborhood that was recently developed, and there was a fucking. There was a time when we weren't allowed to... I didn't live in this neighborhood, but I had a lot of friends there. So sometimes I would go over to their houses after school. And there was a time when we weren't allowed to walk home from school because there was a fucking mountain lion in the neighborhood in yeah. Texas. Like, what? Uh, <laughs> that's... I mean, that's scary for you guys, but it makes me think of the fact, you know, I grew up in Manitou and our school is literally on a mountain and there are mountain lion bathing areas right behind it on a walking path. And there were times when teachers would have to walk us between the buildings because mountain lions would be out and about. Like you could just see them. Like the teacher's gonna just... Yeah, the teacher's gonna (laughs) say. Yeah, like I remember there's a path from the middle school, actually the high school, that goes directly to the cemetery. And it's really pretty. It's really pretty nature walk. And I took it one time and you saw we saw some fucking mountain lions just bathing on some rocks pretty close to us actually. And we fucking backed the hell up. We didn't continue going, but yeah. Mm. Out I would love to see some like teacher, or any, like, you know, Mrs. Take on Wilson a mountain lion. or whatever. Like, come here! <laughs> hey, I had some teachers that might have done it. They're ba- pretty badass. They got a lot of pent up aggression at the same <laughs> sometimes, you know. Right, exactly. All right, so the next one, everybody knows about, but does everybody know about? So this one was kind of interesting to me because. I don't know. I believe in a lot of this weird stuff, and now I don't think I'm a believer anymore about the chupacabra. So, chupacabras can be literally translated as goat sucker. The name is attributed (laughs) to Puerto Rican comedian Savario Perez, who coined the label in 1995 while commenting on attacks as a San Juan radio DJ first reported attack eventually attributed to the creatures occurred in March 1995 in Puerto Rico. 
eight sheep were discovered dead, each with three puncture wounds in the chest area and reportedly completely drained of blood. A few months later in August, an eyewitness named Madeline Tolentino reported seeing a creature in the Puerto Rican town of Canovanas, when as many as 150 farm animals and pets were reportedly killed. In 1975, similar killings in the town of Moca were attributed to El Vampiro del Moca, the vampire of Moca. Initially, it was suspected that the killings were committed by a satanic cult. Later, more killings were reported around the island, and many farms reported loss of animal life. Each of the animals was reported to have had its body bled dry through a series of small circular incisions. Physical descriptions of the creature vary, with some describing it as more dog-like, while others describe it as more lizard or even alien-like. As far as consistent features, it is purportedly a heavy creature the size of a small bear with a row of spines reaching from the neck of the neck to the base of the tail. A five-year investigation by Benjamin Radford, documented in his 2011 book Tracking the Chupacabra, concluded that the description given by the, only, the original eyewitness in Puerto Rico, Madeline Tolentino, was based on the creature's sill in the 1995 science fiction horror movie Species. The alien creature's sill is nearly identical to Tolentino's Chupacabra eyewitness account, and she had seen the movie before her report. It was a creature that looked like the chupacabra, with spines on its back and all. The resemblance to the chupacabra was really impressive, Tolentino reported. Radford revealed that Tolentino believed that the creatures and events she saw in species were happening in reality in Puerto Rico at the time, and therefore concludes that... Goodness. And therefore... God damn it, where the hell am I now? And therefore concludes that the most important chupacabra description cannot be trusted. This, Radford believes, seriously undermines the credibility of the chupacabra as a real animal. In addition, the reports of blood-sucking by the chupacabra were never confirmed by a necropsy. necropsy. The only way to conclude that the animal was drained of blood. An analysis by a veterinarian of 300 purported victims of the chupacabra found that they had not been bled dry. Radford divided the chupacabra reports into two categories the reports from Puerto Rico and Latin America, where animals were attacked and it is supposed their blood was extracted, and the reports in the United States of mammals, mostly dogs and coyotes, with mange that people call chupacabra due to their unusual appearance. In late October 2010, University of Michigan biologist Barry O'Connor concluded that all the chupacabra reports in the United States were simply coyotes infected with the parasite, whose symptoms would explain most of the features of the chupacabra. They would be left with little fur, thickened skin, and a rank odor. O'Connor theorized that the attacks on goats occurred because these animals were greatly weakened, so they're going to have a hard time hunting, so they may be forced into attacking livestock because it's easier than running down a rabbit or a deer. Although several eyewitnesses came to the conclusion that the attacks could not be the work of dogs or coyotes because they had not been they had not eaten the victim, this conclusion is incorrect. Both dogs and coyotes can kill and not consume the prey, either because they are inexperienced or due to injury or difficulty in killing the prey. The prey can survive the attack and die afterwards from internal bleeding or circulatory shock. The presence of two holes in the neck, corresponding with the canine teeth, are to be expected, since this is the only way that most land carnivores have to catch their prey. I don't know, like, 1995, she watched Species right beforehand. <laughs> Sounds to me like the chupacabra does not exist. I mean... <laughs> and I believe in a lot of weird stuff. I believe in Nessie. I believe in Bigfoot. 
I believe the conspiracy stuff about 9-11. I believe in weird stuff. She's a straight-up conspiracy theorist. Not, like, I'm not, like, QAnon, okay? But, like, They've yeah. ruined, like... Conspiracy theory yeah, stuff. Yeah, okay. Like, <laughs> like, I watched a video on TikTok, and this guy goes around, and he goes to, like, these Trump rallies and these QAnon rallies, and he interviews them. And oh, my this- God, I love him so much. Okay, so you know who I'm talking about. Great. And he (laughs) fucking interviewed this woman, and she was like, I think that, oh, God, I think he was, she was saying, well, fucking um, Kennedy, one of the Kennedys that is dead. Yes. Like, he's not actually dead. Yeah. And be Trump's vice. And I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, my fucking God. (laughs) Yes. And she and her husband who was also crazy, he remembered, like, aliens coming to get him. They were both running for some sort of local government positions, like mayor and fucking treasurer or something. I don't even remember. But thank God they did not win. (laughs) Of course they were. Yeah. So this thing looks like it's straight out of SpongeBob, this next one. (laughs) And I'm I'm pretty sure that's where SpongeBob got their inspiration. This thing is a giant earthworm that just pops out of the ground. Okay. Gross. The Minoko. Minoko? I just listened to a pronunciation and that's what they said. Okay. Is a large earthworm like cryptid that allegedly exists in the forests of South America. It reportedly resembles a giant worm with scaly black skin, a readily visible mouth, and a pair of tentacle like structures protruding from its head. Gross. According to at least one witness, it ha- also has a pig-like snout. Ew. <laughs> Although this species is principally fossorial, and fossorial means it burrows underground, it also has aquatic habits. It's a double threat. <laughs> it has been reported to prey on large surface animals, including cattle, by suddenly capturing them from below the water. It is thought to be a burrowing animal, producing enormous trenches as it digs, which suggests a body diameter of up to 10 feet. So this is how we got tremors. Yeah, basically. (laughs) Its body length is stated to vary from 75 up to 150 feet. There have been cases of houses and other man-made structures collapsing and rivers having their course altered, allegedly due to the Minyoko burrowing activity. These tunnels most commonly appear after periods of continuous rain, indicating that it has its more active or indicating that it is more active during such periods and might even keep itself hidden during dry days. The beast tunnels will sometimes flood, creating subterranean water bodies. Cryptozoologist Carl Sugar has suggested that the animal may be an example of a giant Sicilian. Sicilians are are a poorly known group of amphibians with worm-like, limbless bodies, subterranean aquatic habits, and tentacle-like sense organs on the head. Also, they mostly do inhabit the forests of South America, which fits the description of this creature as well. However, most Sicilians do not even begin to approach the supposed size of this animal. In On the Track of Unknown Animals, Bernard Hovelman's Ooh, that's a that's hard to say. <laughs> Suggests that the animal may be surviving 
However, unlike the modern relatives, like the armadillos, there is no evidence that glyptodonons. Oh my god, these words mm. are so bad. <laughs> that glyptodonons had burrowing habits. Whatever kind of creature this is, if real, it appears to be extinct now, as there have been no reported sightings in the past 130 years. Also, there's another one kind of like it, called a Mongolian deathworm. That's also mm-hmm. a cryptid. And it means intestine worm. Ew. Because it looks like a red, it's like a red blood-like color and size. And yeah, it's like an even grosser looking thing because it kind of looks like a parasite. And Mongolian nomads believe that this giant worm covered its prey with an acidic substance that turned everything into a corroded yellow color. Ew. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just wanted to throw that out there. First sighting. Also- of the Mongolian one was a thousand years ago, up to two thousand five. But like, once again, you know, fucking that's two very separate continents that have the same type of creature. That's kind of cool. And SpongeBob, SpongeBob and Sandy found one. So, ew, they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, I'm not knowing what you're talking about with SpongeBob. Is he a sponge? <laughs> No, they there's a one? there was an episode where a giant worm popped out the ground. Oh, okay, okay. That's all. The next one I'm gonna do, we're gonna go to Africa. The Ndingo Neck. The Dingo Neck is a creature said to have been seen near Lake Victoria in 1907 by big game hunter John Alfred Jordan and members of his hunting party. As recounted by fellow big game hunter Edgar Beecher Bronson in his 1910 memoir In Closed Territory. This account was followed by an article published in 1913 in the East Africa Natural History Society by Charles William Hobley, in which he claims to have encountered further accounts of similarly described creatures. In 1819, an article published by McLean's declared that the beast was a newly discovered animal species. The sole description of this creature occurs in Big Game Hunter Edgar Beecher Bronson's 1910 memoir, Enclosed Territory. In the memoir, Bronson recounts a campsite discussion involving the creature with fellow Big Game Hunter John Alfred Jordan. After musing about the Okapi, Bronson reports that Jordan said the following, Then there's the infernal horror of the reptilian bounder that comes up the Megori River out of the lake the Lumbwa have christened Dingoneck. And it's real prize money that beauty would fetch, five to 10,000 quid at least. And you bet I've got my Wanderobo, which is a negative term about people in Africa. So, And Lombwa, always on the lookout for one when the Megori is in flood. According to Bronson, Jordan claims he encountered the beast with his hunting party. Mataya, the boy there, and Monsani with me. One member of the party, Mataya, claims to have seen it twice, yet Bronson expressed skepticism. Jordan says he encountered the creature while heading to the Megori when, presently I heard the bush smashing and raced my Lumbwa, wide-eyed and gray as their black skins could get, with the yarn that they had seen, a frightful strange beast on the riverbank, which at sight of them had plunged into the water as they described it, some sort of cross between sea serpent a leopard and a whale thinking they had gone crazy or were pulling my leg i told them i'd believe them if they could show me but not before after a long shari polivar among themselves back they finally ventured returning in half an hour to say that it lay full length exposed on the water in midstream 
Jordan hurried to the Magori and saw the creature as described. He describes it as follows. Holy saints. But he was a sight, 14 to 15 feet long, head big as that of a lioness, but shaped and marked like a leopard, two long white fangs sticking down straight out of its upper jaw, back broad as a hippo, scaled like an armadillo, but colored and marked like a leopard, and a broad fin tail with slow, lazy swishes of which he was easily holding himself level in the swift current headed upstream. Gad, but he was a hideous old haunter of a nightmare, was that beast fish that made you want an aeroplane to feel safe of him. For while he lay upstream of me, I had been brought down to the riverbank precisely where he had been. He had taken water, and there, all about me in the soft mud and loam, were the imprints of feet wide of diameter as a hippo's, but clawed like a reptile's. Feet you knew could carry him ashore, and claws you could be bally well sure no man could ever get loose from once they had nipped him. Jordan notes that its fangs appeared long enough to go clean through a man, and he describes how he sat and waited and watching the creature. In time, he feared the creature might move and see him, and he fired his three o three rifle behind his leopard ear. The creature sprang out of the water, and Jordan sprinted into the bush in terror. In time, Jordan calmed and listened for the beast as his party ran deeper into the bush. Jordan says that he could not recall seeing the beast's legs because he was fixated on escaping and ponders how a 303 round was unable to stop the animal from a distance of 10 yards. Jordan says that although he searched for the beast along the shores and bodies of the water over several miles for two days after the encounter, he never again encountered the beast nor its tracks. According to Bronson, Jordan then asked him to inquire with his hunting party about what they witnessed. Through an interpreter, Bronson claims they provided nearly identical descriptions of the beast. Bronson follows this account by noting that when he visited Uganda in November last, he met with ex-collector James Martin, who told him that a great water serpent or reptile was seen on or near the north shore of the lake, which was worshipped by the natives, who believed its coming a harbinger of heavy crops and large increase of their flocks and herds. Finally, Bronson says that, again, in December, while dining with the senior deputy commissioner, C.W. Hobley, CMG, at his residence in Nairobi, the very night before starting on his safari, in speaking of the origin of the sleeping sickness, Mr. Hobley told me that the Baganda, Wasoga, and Cavarondo of the north shore of the lake had, from time immemorial, sacrificed burnt offerings of cattle and sheep to a lake reptile of great size and terrible appearance they called La Quota, which occasionally appeared along or near the shore, that since the last coming, he was just shortly before the first outbreak of the sleeping sickness. The natives firmly believed that the Mazungu have killed Lakuta with the purpose and as the means of making them victims of the great of the dread plague. Of the existence of the lake of such an unclassified reptile, Mr. Hobley considered there was no question. In 1913, Charles William Hobley published an article in the Journal of East Africa Uganda Natural History Society in which he discusses some unidentified beast and mentions Bronson's account. According to Hobley, at the time of the story appeared, it was considered that this was probably a traveler's tale told to entertain a newcomer. But I have since met a man who a few years back, wandering about the Mara River or Nagrai Dubash, which rises in Sutik, crosses the Anglo-German boundary and runs into Lake Victoria in German territory. He emphatically asserts that he saw the beast. He was, at the time, 
where the Mara River crosses the frontier, and the river was in high flood. The beast came floating down the river like a big log, and he estimated its length at about 16 feet, but could not be certain of its length, as its tail was in the water. He describes it as spotted like a leopard, covered with scales, and having a head like an otter. He did not see the long fangs described by Mr. Jordan. He fired at it and hit it. It slid off the log into the water and was not seen again. God, people suck. Stop shooting this fucking thing. Right? Hobley theorizes that Bronson's account may be connected to the greatest rarity which has not yet been bagged, which would appear to be the extraordinary creature which is said to inhabit certain of the rivers running into Lake Victoria and the lake itself. He mentions several accounts of lake monsters in the region alongside Bronson's account. In 1918, Canadian magazine McLean's reprinted material from the article by Jordan himself in the Wide World magazine and declared that his evidence for the dingo neck is very positive and believable. According to Jordan, it lives in the Lake Victoria Nanza and its numerous tributaries, and there is no record of the monster having been seen in any other part of the world. Whether it is a descendant of one of the huge prehistoric Sarians that has by a process of adaptation, living as it does in impenetrable regions far away from the encroachments of civilized man, continued with but but slight modifications through prodigious ages to the present time, or whether it is unclassified reptile or amphibian, it is equally impossible to say, as no specimen exists either of its bones or of its skin. That this monster does exist, however, there can be no particular doubt, as the testimony of authoritative eyewitnesses cannot be reasonably be discredited whoo like please give me a round of applause the old language and the <laughs> terms that i don't know <laughs> Woo. you did it <laughs> <laughs> you made it made it through let me see some pictures of this thing you know i think i still have the scariest one which is next. And like, I love spiders, okay? We <laughs> all know this. For sure, for sure. Even when I sent you this, it's still spooky, right? Yeah, I don't like it. No, I'm not happy with it. No, not happy? No. I'm, so like, no. unfortunate, right? <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Just things in Africa go a little harder. Right. Right, like, yeah. <laughs> The Jeba Fofi, also known as the Congolese giant spiders. No, there's more than one. Ew. No. These, this is like a <laughs> class of arachnids. Okay. Okay. Are a type of large arachnid cryptid, which is said to inhabit the forests of the Congo, possibly representing a new species of arachnida. This is where Aragon came from. Aragog, yeah. And Shelob. Maybe Shelob, too. Yeah, exactly. Because it kind of looks she-lobby. Because it got like those really long, thin legs, you know? Gross. Most of the many anecdotal tales describe the spiders digging a shallow tunnel under tree roots and camouflaging it with a large screen of leaves. So they sound like trapdoor spiders almost. Then they create an almost invisible web between their burrow and a nearby tree, stringing the whole area with a network of trip lines. Some oblivious animal that'll likely soon to end up on the creature's menu, will trip the line alerting the spider. The victim will then be chased into the web. This type of predatory behavior is similar to that of several species 
what I say of trapdoor spider. <laughs> what I say. I know my spooters. Presumably, the Jabafofi eggs are a pale yellow white and shaped like peanuts. Natives claim the hatchlings are bright yellow with a purple abdomen. Their coloration becomes darker and brown as they mature. Some of the peoples indigenous to the regions in the Congo, where these spiders have been seen, assert that the spider was once quite common but has since become very rare. The very first sighting of the Jabafofi by a Western observer was in the 1890s near Lake Nyasa, during which British missionary Arthur John Symes and his men came upon one of the creatures. His men got themselves entangled in an enormous web and two giant spiders, which were two and four feet in length, Mm -mm. male and female, came out of their web and attacked them. Symes was bitten but managed to escape after shooting one of them with his pistol. He subsequently developed symptoms including a deathly pallor, severe chills, swelling around the area where he was bitten, and became delirious before dropping into unconsciousness. He ultimately succumbed to these effects and died. The fullest account by Westerners appears in Cryptozoology book by George Eberhardt. On page 204, Eberhardt relates the terrifying experience of an English couple traveling through a region of the jungle in what is now called the Congo. R.K. Lloyd and his wife, who doesn't get a name because, you know, she's just wife. <laughs> of course. Of were, course. <laughs> were motoring in the Belgian Congo in 1938 when they saw a large object crossing the trail in front of them. At first, they thought it was a cat or a monkey but soon they realized it was a spider nearly three feet. These are like Gross. little baby aragogs. You know what it also reminds me of? That scene in Jumanji. Yes, absolutely. That's what I was thinking of, yeah. Terrified me when I was a kid. Mm, I hate that one, especially because they're like stuck in the fucking shit and you can't get away. No. Mm. Yeah, that was like the most anxiety I got in that movie. Mm-hmm. God. Cryptozoologist William J. Gibbons has hunted for what some think may be a living Congolese dinosaur called Mokele Mambe. On his third expedition in search of the creature, he came upon natives who related their experiences with giant spiders. He shared his experiences with readers upon his return to Canada. On this third expedition to equatorial Africa, I took the opportunity to inquire if they knew of such a giant spider, and indeed they did. They speak of these, which is a giant or great spider. They described a spider that is generally brown in color with a purple mark on the abdomen. They grow to quite an enormous size with a leg span of at least five feet. The giant arachnids weave together a lair made of leaves similar in shape to a traditional pygmy hut and spin in a circular web said to be very strong between two trees with a strand stretched across a game trail. These giant ground-dwelling spiders prey on a diminutive forest antelope, antelope birds Ugh. and other small game and are said to be extremely dangerous, not to mention highly venomous, Gibbon states. The spiders are said to lay white peanut-sized eggs in a cluster, and the pygmies give them a wide berth when encountered, <laughs> but have killed them in the past. The giant spiders were once very common, but are now a rare sight. In March 2013, a video surfaced on YouTube of an alleged Jabafofi caught on a night vision camera near a waterhole next to a tree in Mozambique. The spider appears out of the darkness for a brief moment while scurrying into the darkness on the far right of the screen. Most of the natives describe the spiders as once being numerous, but now a vanishing species. 
encroachment by civilization in the form of rainforest being converted to farming may have driven the spiders from their natural habitats. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I know you love spiders, but do you feel happy that they're going away or... <laughs> I never feel happy that a species <laughs> is like being eradicated because of humanity. But that being said, I feel like if we lived in a world where there were just like five foot spiders just walking around, that would just not be like a fun experience for anyone. Yeah. No, I don't like that at all. Like a mm -hmm. dinosaur spider, you know? Mm. Yeah. No, I'm five, five. I don't want a spider. That's my height. I'm good. That no, would no. be unfortunate for many people. Like, <laughs> like even me that like, even like with my tarantulas, some of those motherfuckers are big. And like, I mean, just like as big as my hand, that's a big spider. Yeah. Like the, I know it's not even like a bad thing, but like the coconut crab in Australia, New Zealand, that area, that thing freaks me out. It's like the size of a trash can sometimes. Okay. Nope. Yeah. So, I mean... Especially, like, having to live in an area where you're just like, we got to watch out for those things. Right? But we still got to, like, go into the forest, like. Yeah, it's like, you know, hippos killing people. Like, yeah, how did your son die? Oh, a hippo attack. How did your son die? Oh, a crazy fucking huge spider. Both very tragic. I actually, yeah. speaking of hippos, watched a video of a hippo, like, coming after a boat. And it was jumping like a fucking orca. I was like, that's terrifying. Really? Yes, dude. Ooh. It was so scary. I was like, y'all about to die. <laughs> Hippos are so cool, but yeah, leave them alone. <laughs> They're so scary. Oh, my God. Mm. Mm -mm. No, thank you. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. I'm like very much an indoorsy kind of person. <laughs> Like, that's why I bring some of the pets I like inside with me and I can control that environment, you know, because if I go outside and there's too many things that I'm like, hey, yeah, y'all have too much control. <laughs> this is your space. That's why I will go inside to my space and you can have your habitat and you do what you do. I, I, I can't. That's like even mosquitoes and stuff. I don't know. Mm -mm. no oh my god even mosquitoes get huge like i know it's just the males but i've literally seen one of the bowls that is he was like the size of a dinner plate Ugh, bro i'm from texas let me tell you about them fucking mosquitoes Ugh. you leave water sitting around for too long like when it rains and water pools up and it's humid as shit they start breeding disgusting Ugh. And they fucking, like, I have had welts from mosquitoes that have been, like, bigger than fucking quarters, bro. Ugh. I'm so glad that we don't have that big of a mosquito issue here in Colorado. Like, obviously we have them, but it is not like what I grew up with. And I fucking love Colorado bug-wise where we're really fucking mild. Except for earwigs. What the fuck are those things? <laughs> yeah, but once again, leave them the hell alone. They and I'm sorry, you tell scary. me about fucking... June bugs and shit. No, no. Got them. Why do they have such a cute fucking name? Like they are not cute. They got yeah. hard ass little bodies and little barbed wire feets. And if they stick on your skin, you got to pry those motherfuckers off. God, they're Ugh. nasty. Yeah. No. Yeah. Connor and I occasionally talk about moving somewhere else, and then we always end up getting around to. But we like the weather here, and the fact that there's not a lot of bugs. <laughs> 
Yeah, oh. where, where it's humid, the bugs, they just thrive. Mm-hmm, They're mm-hmm. like, wow, this is so nice. I can just drink the air. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, there's, I do have a lot of critter experience, I will say. <laughs> critter experience. I, I, I like to keep the critters down there. Yeah. I never saw a cryptid, though. I don't think. Just a lot of critters. Not cryptids, just critters. Maybe you saw a chupacabra. (laughs) Mm, I don't think so. (laughs) I don't think I ever saw a chupacabra. Mm, Poor little dog with mange. (laughs) I did see some of those. (laughs) See, then you did see a chupacabra. Apparently. (laughs) I kept all of them, too, so I had a bunch of chupacabras I lived out in the country, so every time a stray came by, I was like, that is mine now. <laughs> Good. My dad did not appreciate it, but, you know, my mom did, so <laughs> she was like, yeah, that's yours. Yeah. 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 We had lots of dogs. Good. It's fucked up that people would just fucking drop them off out there. Oh, people bro, they, suck. Yeah. My mom's dog that she had for, like, that was her dog. This is really sad. But it was my mom's, like, she had that dog for, like, nine years. Like, that was her baby. Somebody pushed this puppy off the back of a moving truck on the highway. I hate people. I hate people so much. Global warming, take us out. Well, the Gulf of Mexico's on fire right now, so. Yeah, sweet. Did you know that? The Pacific Northwest is melting. Yeah. True. So we're getting closer. Yeah. Closer, closer every day. (laughs) We're almost there. Yeah, I heard something with the Gulf of Mexico. Some underwater fire fucking shit, but I don't know. A pipeline burst. Of course it did. So more humanity fucking things up. Oh, yeah. And now it's literally like it looks like a fire tornado in the ocean. It's awesome. So bad. Yeah. It's really I love bad. us so much. We're yeah. the best. Yep. It's like the world is like trying to tell us something, like setting the ocean on fire <laughs> and stuff, or you know. Oh like, God, hey. the Bible people must be freaking out. It's the plagues. No, they're asking for more fucking pipelines. Well, yeah, exactly. Well, we still want to drive our big ass cars on our way to church. Jesus needs a Hummer. <laughs> Jesus exactly. drives the dually. So. <laughs> oh, and, my God. And on that note, if you haven't <laughs> listened to Oddest is Hottest, um, you should. The good stuff over there. That's our other <laughs> podcast. It talks about Jesus a little bit. And it's not on Apple yet because, okay, that's another thing about capitalism. This is not related to anything we <laughs> talked about. But fucking Apple. Let me tell you all something. Apple Podcasts, I haven't even been drinking for this one. Apple Podcasts <laughs> was the easiest for us to get on when we started this podcast. And Spotify mm-hmm. was the most difficult. Spotify, we got approved for immediately when we started Oddest to Toddest. Apple, we still have not been approved. It has been two months. Two months! Because Apple has been launching their own subscription service for podcasts that is going worldwide. So they've been focusing on that. I literally got an apology email. All podcast creators were like, hey, if you're trying to put more podcasts out there, we're sorry. Like, you. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Fuck you, man. Because they're launching all this new stuff. They're just not uploading podcast, like new podcast content. So, 
you can't listen to it on Apple yet, but it's like on Spotify, Amazon, Stitcher, Google, all sorts of other stuff. So Thank you for hanging out with us for this haunted happy hour. <laughs> if you would like to join our Patreon, you get even more of us. It is patreon.com slash the extra sisters podcast. And you can find us on all of our social medias, Facebook and Instagram is the extra sisters podcast. And Twitter is at the extra sisters because I can't use that many characters on Twitter. So again, <laughs> thank you for hanging out with us. We really appreciate it. Until next time, stay creepy.